I like the uh, wide selfie setting. Yeah. That's nice. the one. Naomi? Yeah, sure. Whatever. Oh, oh no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. What even is this? Oh, hold on. Shit. I oh, I almost up. took a sip. <laughs> Close call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Opened the last episode, so do you want to do this yeah. one? Um, I'll be nice. Oh, I should appreciate we do it, it in unison? <laughs> should we? No. This is beer in fear. That is not how we opened it. What the this fuck how, is wrong with this you? How I'm opening the episode. Oh, okay. God. Welcome to beer and fear. Thank My you. name is Zach. My name is Paige. And today is a very special day. It is. Do you know why? He ran away. What's he doing? Oh my god! <laughs> it's our tenth episode. Yes. <laughs> he ran out of his trap. They said happy tenth episode. <laughs> yeah, I got you some Reese's. They said happy birthday. <laughs> No, they clearly say happy 10th he episode, Paige. No, no, no. <laughs> I found these I found these special. I had to there were three places I went to. Let happy 10th episode. Let balloons. me set the stage for you here. <laughs> Mermaid <laughs> balloon uh-huh. that says happy and mm. what I assume is birthday underneath mm. a slapped on piece of paper that says 10th episode. Oh, happy 10th episode balloons. And then the other one well, is a, a fire truck. I don't know why it's a fire truck. It's a very strange image to have on a happy birthday. I mean, 10th Ooh, episode balloon. Oh, boy. We'll, have, we'll, show, we'll show pictures, too. That's fine. I we'll put pictures up. love you so much. <laughs> it's our 10th episode. We did it. I was, uh, I was ready to do all this yesterday. <laughs> Just kidding. I was like planning everything out. It's like, oh shit, I gotta get my trombone out. Fucking psycho ass. <laughs> uh, we made it to 10 episodes. We done it's, did it. It's fun. I didn't think we'd, uh, that's nine more episodes than I thought we would ever record. Yeah, right? Uh, the paper also kind of weighs the balloon down, so it doesn't, uh, eventually these are gonna sink. We're so. 100% gonna <laughs> pop these and inhale the helium, <laughs> inhale the right? <laughs> if that's what you wanna do, <laughs> if sure. That's gonna happen. Sure, we can do that. Cool, I'm just making sure. <clears throat> um, but uh, I guess I should say a few things. Thanks for listening. Get the speech ready. Um, the the people who are still continuing to listen to us, we appreciate it. Yeah, um, uh, Max, Scott, and uh, my mom. <laughs> Paige's mom. <laughs> yep. Uh, no, there's there's more of you than that, but uh, we appreciate it for um, you guys tuning in and and uh, you know supporting us. That's cool. But it's really not about. Um, okay. It's not about the listeners, right? It's not about the. It's not about I the thought, popularity. I thought it was about. The subject, you and I spending time yes, together. exactly. And the listeners. Um, yeah. Not the amount of listeners. Well, right. The quality of the listeners. We do this for the listeners. There you go. That's our audience. Yes. But we also do this just so we can get together and talk. I just like spending time with you. And it's great. And I'm glad we're still doing it. Yes. Ten episodes. And here's to ten more. Okay. 
Let's start. We make it to 11. <laughs> oh, God oh we had a good run. <laughs> we did it. Um, you want to tell me about your week? Should I ask you first? No, nah, I already asked you. You're, okay. Um, my week was boring. I did the same stuff, so I, I jotted a few things down that I did want to mention. Um, the first presidential debate is today, mm-hmm. which I'm going to want to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's at I think it's at 8 p.m. I have a reminder on my phone. So uh, we'll we'll tune into that. Um, I want to check that out. This comes out after the debate. Um, so by the time you're hearing it, the debate has already happened. So Paige, can you believe the crazy stuff that Biden said? Oh my God, I couldn't I believe that. I can't believe what it. What about the, th- uh, the stuff that Donald Trump said? I that never was believe it. Outrageous. Um, what is your opinion on hot take? <laughs> so uh, the debate already came out, but we're going to watch it today. If you're listening to this, to this it's Tuesday. Isn't the time wacky? Comes out. It's crazy. Um, also, fall is around the corner. Uh, fall is here, bitch. Fall is here. The it's leaves fi- have changed. It's 50-some degrees out. It's uh, getting chilly. I'm digging it. I got a flannel on. Today, I'm, I'm rocking the flannel for the first time of the year. Um, and is pump- this the first time you've worn the flannel? Uh, this year, yeah. You look so good in flannel. I do look so good in flannel. Thank you. Um, Eat also, you up like a buttercup. Also, um, that means pumpkin everything is coming out. So yes. I showed... Uh, I showed you I had pumpkin pop tarts and then I bought these pumpkin spice. I showed Chelsea because you showed me a picture of that and uh-huh. we called you a basic white bitch. Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm turning into as I get older. But pumpkin pop tarts, you can get them at, uh, well, they're not pop tarts, they're toaster pastries. Generic wait, 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 wait. Trader Joe's Baron. Oh, okay. Toaster pastries. When you say toaster pastries, I think of the strudels. Yeah, the toaster strudels. Yeah. Completely different. Oh, those are so good. Oh my God, I just want to buy them. Those are so good. Um,. Also, oh, I got to pull up one more thing before I forget. Yes, please. Um, also, when I was doing research for the beer, mm-hmm. um, I've, I've been finding out more and more things about beer. Because, mm-hmm. again, I want to preface, we know very little about beer. Or nah, at least I do. this is just our shitty opinions. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's cool to find more information out. Yeah. It turns out we've been drinking beer wrong this whole time. <gasps> How are we supposed to drink it? Um, because there is a... Uh, a, a preferred temperature to serve beer at what which is the preferred temperature reminds me we're amateurs reminds me i need to pull one of these out of the fridge i've never been so embarrassed that's not true i've been more embarrassed so there's a specific temperature that uh the beer experts recommend you drink your beer at um but really drink your beer however you want I, we don't care um however you like to enjoy it doesn't matter what it is but apparently um all beers can be grouped uh in most beers can be grouped in ales versus lagers. And this is something that I feel like I should have known episode one. Um, this is a pretty common thing with beers. They're either one of those two categories and, a, and then a variation of an ale versus a lager. Um, all beers are um, to be served between 38 and 55 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the suggested temperature. Lagers should be served colder than ales. Huh. Stronger beers should be served warmer than weaker beers, and darker beers should be served warmer than lighter beers. So we should have drank Devil's Advocate warm. Uh, either room temperature or slightly above room, or slightly below room temperature. Right. I'm embarrassed for us. Chill. I know we've been doing it wrong this whole time because apparently uh, darker ales, stronger ales, they have all these. They have a more um, uh, maybe Devil's Advocate tastes better. Yeah, maybe they have a more refined. Uh, character to them more ingredients more layers more levels to this Mm. beer um that that those flavors kind of get masked from being too cold 
So uh, the IPA, you know, or even zombie dust, you know, maybe we should have had that a little, a little bit uh, warmer than we did. But um, I pulled one of the beers. It's okay, we're learning. Uh, we're learning. I pulled one of the beers out of the fridge, so it'll it'll warm up by the time we get to it. Not something I've ever thought of hearing or doing. Right. Well, and, and then I was starting to think when you go out to a restaurant and order a beer, I was trying to remember. I've never. Have you ever had like a knew. slightly cooled beer, or is it always like always re- straight out of a refrigerator? Always chilled. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it again for for beer snobs, you know. Who want to um, condition their beer at the at, at a specific temperature? Go for it. I'm trying to look up something. So there's one more thing I wanted to talk about that I found. It's called a uh, light light struck beer, mm-hmm. and it's it's something that can happen to beer that cause that can cause it to um, be skunked or skunky, have mm-hmm. sort of like a skunky flavor and smell to it. Uh, what happens is, um, not going to go into extreme detail, but any beer that's bottled in a clear bottle or a green bottle, like mm-hmm. Heineken or Corona, if and those are both um, uh, lagers, mm-hmm. which means they're supposed to be refrigerated, which that's why you get them out of the refrigerated section when you buy them. But the UV light from the uh, fluorescent bulbs, um, some of the light from those bulbs, can actually make their way into the bottle and uh, cause some chemical change in the beer uh, to where over time, if it sits in the fridge, it sits under that light, it'll change the taste of the beer. Huh. So if you've ever had a, a cheaper beer, a uh, cheaper lager, a Pilsner, where it tastes skunky, that's probably why. And that might be why, well, Famosa's got a brown bottle, mm-hmm. but Famosa is a lager. Um, it was a pale lager. And I feel like not a lot of people, we talked about this, not a lot of people buy Famosa. Chances are it was sitting in a fridge for fucking ever mm-hmm. um so that might have contributed to why the beer tasted as bad as it did maybe it doesn't taste bad normally if you were to go to guatemala and get famosa maybe See, it would okay, taste there's a little too bit better many freaking variables in it, the yes, process of drinking beer to get there the are. actual flavor so, that's why too much that's why we approach this subjectively we're not all about the oh i give the flavor a 3.5 out of 5 we're not gonna you know get that no we just ramble and say it's good it's good uh, and that's what we're going to do with these beers. So let me open my my first beer thing. Yeah, lay it, lay it on me, Daddy. I mentioned in, uh, I posted. So I'm just curious. Oh, how was your day? You, yeah, just my week. Didn't know if you wanted to know anything about that. Paige, how was your week? <clears throat> it's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a tattoo. It looks great. Yeah, I got it another. It looks cool. Let me see again. Another tattoo. Tattoo. It looks nice. So yeah. Where did you get it? Boundless. In. Juliet. Oh, cool. On Route Thirty. Remember the guy's name? Justin. The girl's name? Justin. Justin. Justin Hayes. Boundless tattoo. You go, Justin Hayes. Look him up. Shout out. Good guy. Mm-hmm. He's gonna do my next one. Do you know what your next one's gonna be? Uh yeah, I can show you. I'd love to see. Him. I'd love you. So we um. Before we forget, we need to... Uh, it's going to be wonton. It's going to be my gecko. That's amazing. Yes. You know what? You know what's funny? <laughs> I, saw a, um, I saw a very similar tattoo on Reddit. Let's see if I can find it. <laughs> of Bojack. Oh, is that your next tattoo? <laughs> it, it might be one I'd, I'd consider getting, oh, but not dude. my next one. Yeah. And then I saw this one um, from Mad Men. Oh. That one's cool. 
That's a cool tattoo. I'm excited to see that. That's yeah. cool. Where are you going to get it? Uh, mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Right, right there. It's going to look great. Uh, uh, what else? What else has been going on? Tattoo and work, and then I'm moving. Yep. I thought we talked about that in the last Still episode. Still moving. Though. Yep, we did. Okay. And that's fine. Moving. That's happening. And I'm going to help. Yeah. Because I'm a good friend. It's because I helped him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to move to a third floor apartment just to be a dick. Well, uh, maybe I need a workout. That's fine. It'll give me an excuse to lift heavy things. And <laughs> That's it, though. It's a new tattoo a and I'm moving. That's it. My life is boring. That's fine. A little bit at a time. I live a sad, sad life. Uh, Halloween's coming up, too. Ah, uh, so excited. Getting excited about that. Spooky. Uh, getting excited about eating candy. I'm excited chocolate. just for spooky season. Yeah, that's fun, too. Tis spooky. I, I saw there were... Um, discussions about how some towns are still how how are they going to try and still do Mm trick-or-treating like aurora um just south south of us um they i didn't read the whole article but they said something about extending the hours so people have more time to social distance uh they recommend people if you're giving out candy to wear gloves and have individually wrapped candies so like the individual bag of bags of m&ms i guess that's how most candy is um individually wrapped stuffed and then they want the kids to wait until they get home to start opening and eating the candy they don't want them eating the candy as they're walking and then you know touching their face i have never stopped to eat my candy at halloween that's never a thing i've done occasionally i've reached my bag and i never uh yeah usually that's my sisters and i would always wait to put it in one like we'd have like our own separate piles and then we'd be like trade this trade that trade this trade that and then you organize everything i've got like eight (laughs) twix over here i've got four skittles over here. these are the ones i'm gonna get rid of i don't want them the sweet tarts get out of my pile Exactly. So not much different than uh, what I think normal Halloween will be. But I know there are some towns that are just, they're not going to do Halloween. I think uh, the Tri-Cities here, they're not going to do Halloween. Uh, so we'll see. I we'll saw see a happens. post on Facebook that somebody made a candy slide. So it was like, it was down their porch steps. It was like this little PV, mm. PVC pipe. That... I imagined a slide made out of candy. No. So this is makes more sense. PVC pipe that's like decorated to look like spooky and Halloween-y. Uh-huh. And like the kids stand at the end, they put their bag over the top of the can and they drop the candy down. That's amazing. So they're like six feet away from the kids. Oh, that's cool. It's a good idea. So I'm just saying, are... you could do that and then you'd go home and your mom gets like sanitizing spray. She just. Yeah, like sprays the whole candy down. Yeah, and let, let it dry for a little bit. There you go. <laughs> It'll work out. It'll be fine. Yeah. So in the uh, in, in the Facebook post that I made a few days ago, I just kind of prefaced what we would be talking about in this episode. I mentioned Jimmy Buffett. Um, we're going to talk about a little bit about Jimmy Buffett uh, because uh, this week we're doing two beers. So I hope you ate something because I didn't. I did. <laughs> uh, so we're doing two beers. One of them we're going to use as a bonus episode. Uh, so the one about Jimmy Buffett we're going to talk about, you're not going to hear in this episode. We'll probably release it at a later date um, as, as a bonus episode. So we're going to talk about um, the beer for this episode. Episode 10, our 10th episode beer uh, for sharks. While we drink the beer from our bonus episode, it is called Sequench. Sequench. Sequench by Dogfish Head Brewery. Opened in 1995 in Milton, Delaware, Dogfish Head Brewery, they brew 262,000 barrels of beer annually. It is a subsidiary of the Boston Beer Company, the fourth largest brewery in the U.S., which brews Samuel Adams, Twisted Tea, and Angry Orchard. Oh, Twisted Tea is disgusting. I am partial to Twisted Tea. It's okay. Dogfish Head 
tends to produce experimental or extreme beers, such as the tongue-in-cheek liquor de malt, which is a malt liquor which typically comes in a dogfish head brown paper bag. <laughs> um, they often use non-standard ingredients, such as green raisins, for one of their beers. Some beers are highly alcoholic, reaching 18 to 20% ABV. Damn! One of their more notable odd beers was a green beer called Verdi Verdi Good. Produced in 2005 and sold only on draft, the beer was not colored green artificially. Rather, the green color was derived from brewing a Dortmunder-style beer that contained spirulina, or blue-green algae. I have a picture of such green beer. I thought spirulina was something else, though. I thought that was a sugar substitute. I thought it was related to insects. Spirulina? Oh, I thought that it was a a sugar substitute. Look at that. That is some green beer. That's wild. Yep. It's like uh, you drink that on St. Patty's Day. Maybe not. Okay. No, not that. No, I was thinking about spirulina. Oh. <laughs> I would agree you would drink that on St. Patty's Day. They also have a beer called, uh, they had a beer called Pangea, first released in 2003. It's a Belgian-style strong pale ale made with ingredients from every continent on Earth. Oh. Including crystallized ginger from Australia, water from Antarctica, basmati rice from Asia, muscovado sugar from Africa, Africa, quinoa from South America, European yeast, and North American maize. Maize. Mm-hmm. And it's named Pangea, like the oh, continental. Yeah. Yeah, 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 when they were all connected. Right. Uh, Dogfish Head also manufactures and distributes <clears throat> various spirits, such as rum, gin, vodka, and mixed cocktails. Kind of like, um, what was the second one? A Stranger, lot of them. Stranger Than Fiction. Um, Stranger Than Fiction was the second one. Collective Arts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also have a cocktail recipe list on their website uh, with... Cocktails, uh, including Berry on My Wayward Son, I Drink Your Milkshake, <laughs> Kiss from a Rose, Life's a Peach, and Whiskey So Yum Yum. <laughs> uh, pretty good uh, cocktail recipes. I was scrolling through them. They have pretty ex- extensive list. Uh, you should try are, and make some. I should. There are over 500. Uh, this is a story from their uh, website. There are over 500 of us now. So lots of people work together day in and day out to make Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head. I'd say that over because the inflection on the words wasn't quite right. I thought I knew where you were going. There are over 500 of us now. So lots of people work together day in and day out to make Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head. There you go. Founded by Sam and Mariah Caligione back in 95, Dogfish continues to be an independent, family-controlled company moving in a slightly off-centered direction. When we opened in downtown Rehoboth in the smallest commercial brewery, we began with a straightforward but unorthodox mission. Off-centered ales for off-centered people. Flash forward to today, we're a bigger but still small brewery with the same mission. Thanks to a lot of awesome fans who believe in what we're doing as a company, uh, we have a lot of passionate, talented, and team-oriented co-workers who have come together to grow this company into a very special community. With bocce tournaments, dress-up days, the most ridiculous holiday hootenanny ever, and beer 30 Fridays, Dogfish puts a little off-centered into everything we do, and together we are heavy. Same. <laughs> uh, this is the summary of the beer that we're about to drink after we finish this beer. Objectively, the most refreshing beer we've ever brewed, hmm. Sequench Ale is a session sour mashup of a crisp Kolsch, a salty Goz, Goza, Goza, and a tart Berliner Weiss brewed in sequence with black limes, sour lime juice, and sea salt. The result... 
a citrusy tart union that has captured the attention and hearts of beer, wine, and margarita drinkers alike. After a full year of research and development, the blissfully inefficient Sequench Ale hit the mark and the mood we were looking for. With a touch of salt on the tongue and a bit of malt sweetness in the finish, Sequench Ale is as unique as it is exhilarating and perfect to down the whole year round. This is a sour ale. Mm -hmm. So um, this is why I chose this beer, because it's something different. Yeah. We've had sour ales before. We haven't done a sour ale on the show yet. So sour ale is defined as any beer which has uh, an intentionally acidic, tart, or sour taste. Traditional sour beers, beer styles include Belgian Lambics, Flanders Red Ale, and German Goza. Brewed predominantly with pale malt. Unlike modern brewing, which is done in a sanitary environment to prevent the introduction of wild yeast, historically the starter used from one batch to another usually contains some wild yeast or bacteria. Sour beer is made intentionally allowing wild yeast strains or bacteria into the brew. Depending on the brewing process, the uncertainty involved in using wild yeast may cause the beer to take months to ferment and potentially years to mature. However, modern methods allow sour beer to be created within just several days. Uh, similar to kombucha, um, I made that note in there because I've brewed kombucha before, and the longer you let the kombucha brew and sit with the scoby, the more sour it gets. Um, it is originally very sweet with a lot of sugar in it, and as it brews, it becomes more sour as it ferments. So I guess that's that's why it takes so long. Uh, there are many different styles of sour beer. There's American Wild Ale, Berliner Weiss, which I didn't know was a sour beer because uh, I've had Berliner Weiss before. Um, Flanders Red Ale, Goza, Lambic, and Old Bruin are just some examples. This beer was released in 2016. It is available year-round. It has an ABV of 4.9% and only 10 IBUs. The color is a golden yellow, is all from the website, golden yellow, hazy, and straw-colored. The aroma is spiced citrus, aromas of lime. Flavor is amazingly tart, refreshing crisp flavors of lime, and the deeper slight bitter of black lime. A touch of salt on the tongue, and a bit of malt sweetness in the finish. The mouthfeel is sweet, clean, and quenching. Uh, They recommend you enjoy this in a pint glass, which I guess we'll do to appease them. Uh, they, uh, say the best cheese pairing is goat cheese and the, f- uh, good food pairing is, uh, any seafood, steamed mussels, raw oysters, and grilled chicken. The quote at the top of the page of this beer is, uh, from Paste Magazine. They say, basically it tastes like a margarita without all the sugar and it makes me want to go straight to the beach. Hmm. So what a better beer to segue into, um, from this one than another one where people... Imagine themselves on a beach. I haven't had breakfast yet. I haven't had anything to eat. I woke up when you called me. Like like two? Yep. Two twenty one specifically. I'm about to have a second beer. This man. So I um took this out of the fridge probably not as early as I should have. Um because now we know with uh some ales, maybe sour ales, they're supposed to be enjoyed a little bit warmer. I like the can. <laughs> yep. Um. Okay. It doesn't smell good. It smells skunky. It smells like poop. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I'm sure it's going to taste amazing. It smells like poop. It smells like poop. Oh, boy. 
It smells like, okay, you know the uh, when you go to like a hair salon and it just smells like like the overexposure of hair chemicals? Yeah. That's what it smells like. It is a sour ale, so it's um, it's got some weird stuff going on with it. <clears throat> I, uh, I don't know how I feel about this one. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've never met a beer I don't like the smell of. Huh. That is strange. That is oh. that is unorthodox. That is not what I was expecting. It got it got really good reviews. Sure. Um, and it's Dogfish Head is really proud of it. They make some again some very unordinary beers. So this is not going to be a like nervous purpose. Not going to be like anything that you're used to. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just fuck it. It's pretty good. I like it. The lime, black lime. <laughs> it's a sour ale, Paige. Uh, I hate it. Oh my god! <laughs> what is this travesty? It's good. No. No. How do you not like this? <laughs> oh my god! You're so dramatic. You're dramatic. Oh. Let me try it out of the can. Aroma is spiced citrus and aroma of lime. I don't know if I would agree with that. <laughs> I like it. Oh my god, you're so dramatic. <clears throat> it's it's all the things that it pretty much said. It's salty. Obviously, it's sour because it's fermented uh, for longer. I feel like I'm drinking ocean water. Um, yeah, because the salt and the lime, it's, it's, um, what did it say? Margarita without all the sugar? It's kind of what it In tastes In the words like. of Randy Jackson, it's a no from me, dog. It's a no from me, dogfish. Thank you. We high-fived very quietly. <laughs> um, I'm disappointed you don't like this. Um, I had high hopes. Are you shocked? I had high hopes because it was a sour ale. It was something new. <laughs> You've had sour ales before. I you've like had, sour ales. You've had gozes before. Um, I don't like that. Hmm. It's disappointing. I I love uh, Dogfish Head. I was doing some research on their website, and they've got like this uh, charity and fundraiser thing that they do as well. They've got a lot of cool events that they do year round, which some of them we've talked about. They make a lot of cool, interesting, very experimental, daring beers. Sure. And I uh, this is definitely one of them. I will say. It is not my favorite sour beer. It's not my, you know, not the best Goza or sour beer thing I've had before. Um, but it's good. I don't hate it as as much as Paige does. <laughs> Which is a little upsetting. Um, but it, it is good. Salty, sour. You get the you get the lime, but you also get is kind of like another layer of lime, which I guess is the black lime. I've never had black lime before, but um, it's good. I think the problem is you're expecting it to taste like a lot of the other beers that we had before, and this is definitely not like any of the other beers that we've had before. If you just keep an open mind and try to appreciate it for what it is, you know, as a sour beer, an experimental sour beer with black lime and salt. Okay. Well, that was a bummer. Let's talk about I sharks. Burn the taste of that off my tongue. That's upsetting. I'm upset.
anyways, I wanted to tell you, when I was a kid, I'm actually very excited for this topic because when I was a kid, sharks were my favorite animals. Like, mm. I loved them. Huh. So Sharks are cool. Um, personally, I'm kind of like... Biased? Yeah. I mean, I like them a lot. I don't really have a fear of sharks mm. um, of any kind. Um, but the actual fear of sharks is called galeophobia. It's an abnormally large and persistent fear of sharks. Sufferers from this phobia experience anxiety, even though they may be safe on a boat or in an aquarium or on a beach. Galeophobia. Galeophobia. Got it. Galeophobia. Hollywood films depicting sharks as calculating, vengeful, diabolical monsters have no doubt enkindled the fear of sharks in many persons. So have validated reports of shark venturing, sharks venturing into rivers and lakes. Galeophobia is derived from the Greek words galeos, shark with markings resembling those on a weasel, and phobos, fear. Okay. Galeophobia is also sometimes used as an alternate term for, I don't know how to pronounce this one at all, um... I'm going to say allurophobia, which is fear of cats, because the Greek word galeos is derived from gay a Greek word meaning polecat and weasel. Fear of cats? I mean, Who I, would have a fear of cats? Cats are there precious. There are people that are scared of dogs. Oh, my gosh. It's a phobia for a reason. Okay. I'm not going to be friends with any of those people. Okay. Calm down. Calm your fucking tits. So, Zach gets to do the fun part, which is the stories. So I got to do research into sharks. That's fun. It is fun because there's so many different species of shark. Right. But most of it I just pulled from Wikipedia. I mean, same for my part. Wikipedia is the true king of the internet. Yep. So sharks are a group of branch fish characterized by a cartilaginous skeleton, five to seven gill slits on the sides of the head, and pectoral fins that are not fused to the head. Much like regular fish. Mm. Modern sharks are classified within the clade Selachi and are the sister group to the rays, which I think is crazy. That is crazy. I didn't know that. However, the term shark has also been used for extinct members of the subclass outside the Selachi. There's a full word for it. And it's like Selachimorpha. I think it's Selachimorpha. There's just a lot of Latin words. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. But there's so many different species of sharks. So like, it's cool. I'm trying to remember how many there actually are because there's. I mean, we only have explored so much of the ocean. At least five. At least there's at least five. <laughs> I mean, like there's the main like known ones like yeah. hammerhead, great white, mm-hmm. mako, tiger, nurse, like the main ones. But mm-hmm. then there's like the cute ones like lemon sharks. <laughs> the cute ones. Lemon sharks are adorable. Bring up goblin sharks. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Those are creepy. Yeah, they are creepy. Fucking hideous. Anyways, the earliest known sharks date back to more than 420 million years ago. Acanthodians. (laughs) I'm going to butcher so many Latin words and Latin names. Canthodians. Acanthodians are often referred to as spiny sharks, though they are not part of... <laughs> we all know what you're talking about. It's uh, fine. Good. Okay. <clears throat> just, There's just keep, so many words. Just keep trucking along. It's fine. Let me just switch over to a different one. Okay. Sharks have diversified in, into over 500 species. They range in size from the small dwarf lantern shark, a deep sea species of only 17 centimeters in length, to what? the whale shark, 
which is the largest fish in the world, which reaches approximately 12 meters, which is 40 feet in length. Sharks are found in all seas and are common to the depths of 2,000 meters, which is 6,600 feet. They generally do not live in fresh water. <laughs> They're cute, right? Although there are a few known exceptions, such as the bull shark and the river shark, which bull sharks are one of the most aggressive sharks. Uh, yeah, I guess the name is fitting. It's extremely fitting. They, I think, okay, so you know there's like the statistics where it's like, I think wild boars and hippos kill more than like an average yeah. great white. Out of all sharks, I think bull sharks have the highest kill rate for people hmm. and tiger sharks. I go into some of it in my uh, section, but um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but bull, uh, bull sharks and river sharks can be found in both seawater and freshwater. Really? Sharks, yeah. Hmm. That's what I was talking about. Oh, well, it's always been my understanding that Lake Michigan is shark-free. Um, because that's what everyone says. Uh-huh. I feel like I remember a story as a kid where there was a shark in Lake Michigan. It wouldn't surprise me, but I'm going to continue living my life thinking that there are no sharks in Lake Michigan. Because I sometimes swim in that lake. And I would like to think there are no sharks. Someone found a dead bull shark on the shore of Lake Michigan. Okay, there are sharks in Lake Michigan. <laughs> it is official. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> sharks have a covering of dermal denticles. Dermal denticles. <laughs> They're like a type of scale. Mm -hmm. Denticles. That protects their skin from damage and parasites in addition to improving their fluid dynamics. Mm -hmm. They have numerous sets of replaceable teeth, which is also something where people, it's popularly known that sharks replace teeth like crazy. Mm -hmm. That's why you can find so many shark made necklace, shark necklaces, oh, yeah, yeah, shark yeah. tooth necklaces on the beach. Right. Everyone's just like, oh, look at these teeth I found. Let me make them into a necklace. Of course. And then well-known species are the tiger shark, the blue shark, the great white shark, mako shark, thresher shark, hammerhead shark, which are apex predators. They're the top of the underwater food Hammerheads chain. are apex? Yeah. Or all those sharks are apex? Tiger shark, blue shark, great white shark, mako shark, thresher shark, and hammerhead are apex predators. Nice. But unfortunately, many shark populations are threatened by human activities. Thresher sharks look They're badass. very pretty. Look at that. What is that, the dorsal fin? I don't know my anatomy of oh, fish. Stop it. The long one? <laughs> they actually are known to hit fish with their tails. That's cool. Like a whip. They look dope. The etymology for them, until the 16th century, sharks were known to mariners as sea dogs. This is still evidential in several species termed dogfish or the poor beagle. Dogfish. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. The etymology of the word shark is uncertain. The most likely etymology states that the original sense of the word was that of predator, one who preys on others. From the Dutch shirk, meaning villain, scoundrel, which was later applied to the fish due to its predatory behavior. Mm -hmm. A now disproven theory is that it derives from the Yucatec Maya word uh, zok, or I'm sorry, shock. 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 Pronounced shock. Spelled zok meaning fish. Evidence from this etymology came from the Oxford English Dictionary, which notes shark first came into use after Sir, 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 Sir. John Hawkins sailors exhibited one in London in 1569 and posted shark to refer to the large sharks of the Caribbean Sea. I should have ate something. <laughs> I should have ate something. I'm sitting here. I'm getting a little bit of a buzz already. 
<clears throat> Evidence for the existence of sharks dates from the <laughs> I like chug that land shark. Well, I mean, that's what I said we were going to do because we had another Ooh. beer to drink. <laughs> Evidence for the existence of sharks dates from the Ordovician period, or which was about 450 to 420 million years ago. That's a long time. Very. Before land vertebrates existed and before a variety of plants had colonized the continents, only scales had been recovered from the first sharks. And not all paleontologists agree that these are from true sharks, suspecting that these scales are actually those of Thelodont agnathans. Agnathans. Thelodont agnathans. Agnathans. Okay. The oldest generally accepted shark scales are from about 420 million years ago in the Silurian period. The first sharks looked very different from modern sharks. At the time, the most common shark tooth is the uh, cladodont, a style of thin tooth with three Wait. tines like a trident. Cladodou or cladodont? Cladodont. Oh. Cladodou, cladodont. <laughs> and then tines like a fork. Fork? You know, the tine, the little, the tops of the fork, it's called a tine. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. The little separate pieces. Interesting. Or, you know. Apparently, to help catch fish. The tooth. Uh-huh. The majority of modern sharks can be traced back to around 100 million years ago. Most fossils are of teeth, teeth, often in large numbers. Partial skeletons and even complete fossilized remains have been discovered. Estimates suggest that sharks grow tens of thousands of teeth over a lifetime, which explains the abundant fossils. The mm -hmm. teeth consist of easily fossilized calcium phosphate and apatite. Aptitite. Aptitite. When a shark dies, the decomposing skeleton breaks up, scattering the epitipite prisms. Mm -hmm. Preservation requires rapid burial in bottom sediments. Among the most ancient and primitive sharks is... Why does everything have to be Latin? <laughs> <sighs> I need to look these up. You didn't have to make it Latin. You could have looked up the, like the English word of what it is and said that. Well, that's like the name of the shark. Yeah. There's no other name for the shark. <laughs> I don't know. It's like Clado's. I don't. I don't want to say it. Clado Celici, Clado Celici, something like that. Okay. I don't know. From about 370 million years ago, which has been found within Paleozoic strata in Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Mm. At that point in Earth's history, these rocks made up the soft bottom sediments of a large shallow ocean, which stretched across most of North America. Mm -hmm. That species of shark was only, I'm not going to say its name again, <laughs> was only about 3.3 feet or one meter long with stiff triangular fins and slender jaws. Its teeth had several pointed cusps, which wore down from use. From the small number of teeth found together, it is most likely that uh, that species of shark didn't... I'm going to call it Clado. Clado. That Clado did not replace its teeth as regularly as modern sharks. Mm -hmm. Its caudal fins had a similar shape to the great white sharks and the pelagic shark fin and long fin makos. The presence of whole fish arranged tail first in their stomachs suggests that they were fast swimmers with great agility. Dope. Sharks are just cool in general. Sharks are. Have fucking... you ever seen a cookie cutter shark? No. Look it up. Like okay. right now. 
Everyone listening, look up a cookie cutter shark right now. Pause this. Look up a cookie cutter shark. Jesus. What in the world? Oh my God. Mm-hmm. This is a thing? Uh-huh. Ugh. It's weird. It's very strange. I'm disturbed. Okay. <laughs> Modern sharks began to appear about 100 million years ago. Fossil mackerel shark teeth date to the early Cretaceous. Mm-hmm. One of the most recently evolved families is the hammerhead shark, which emerged from the, I'm sorry, emerged in the Eocene. The oldest white shark teeth date from 60 to 66 million years ago, around the time of the extinction of the dinosaurs. In early white shark evolution, there are at least two lineages. One lineage is of white sharks with coarsely serrated teeth, and it probably gave rise to the modern great white shark. And another lineage is of white sharks with finely serrated teeth. These, shark attain, these sharks attain gigantic proportions and include the extinct megatooth shark, Sea Megalodon. Megalodon. Yeah. I'm very like familiar. most extinct sharks, Sea Megalodon is also primarily known from its fossil teeth and vertebrae. Mm-hmm. This giant shark reached a total length of more than 16 meters, which is 52 feet. Sea Megalodon may have approached a maximum of 20.3 meters or 67 feet in total Jesus. length and 103 metric tons <laughs> in mass. <laughs> Paleontological evidence suggests that this shark was an active predator of large cretaceans. Mm-hmm. Have any, have you seen the Meg? Oh, uh, no, I have not seen that. But um, I've done a lot of research um, about Megalodon. And by research, I mean um, rereading of the Wikipedia article about Megalodon. And uh, the pictures are crazy. That Isn't thing it? is just massive. It was a fucking Unbelievably gigantic. Machine. There are more than 470 species of sharks split across 12 orders, including four orders of shark that have gone extinct. Mm-hmm. The Latin words. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, I can do this. <laughs> Carcarniforms, commonly known as ground sharks. The order includes the blue tiger. The blue, the tiger, the bull, the gray reef, the black tip reef, the Caribbean reef, the black tail reef, white tip reef, and oceanic white tip sharks, collectively called the requiem sharks, along Mm. with hound sharks, cat sharks, and hammerhead sharks. They are distinguished by an elongated snout and a nicotating membrane, which protects the eyes during an attack. Interesting. Yes. Heterodontiforms. They are generally referred to as the bullhead or horn sharks. Hexenchioforms. Hexen, hex, hex, something. Oh gosh. <laughs> Examples from this group include the cow sharks and frilled sharks. Cow sharks. Which somewhat resemble a marine snake. Lamniforms. They are commonly known as mackerel sharks. They include the goblin shark, basking shark, megamouse shark, thresher shark, short fin, and long fin mako sharks, as well as great white shark. They are distinguished by their large jaws. And the type of reproduction that they do. (laughs) They also include the megalodon. (laughs) (laughs) Erectoloforms. Are you looking up cow sharks? Look at that guy. Aren't they cute? Oh my gosh. They are commonly referred to as the carpet sharks, including zebra sharks, nurse sharks, wobbegongs, and the whale shark. Look up a wobbegong. I don't even know how to spell that. I'll look it up for you. (laughs) Wabagon. 
what in the world? Wobbagongs. Oh, yeah, those are weird. What? That don't look like a shark. It looks like a catfish. Pristioforomorphs. These are the saw sharks with an elongated tooth snout that they use for slashing their prey. Squaliforms. This group includes the dogfish shark and rough sharks. And squatiniforms, also known as angel sharks. They are flattened sharks with a strong resemblance to stingrays and skates. I forgot about those uh, saw sharks. Those are crazy. Yeah. Like the freaking like evolution behind that is that all the, they use all those. That's that's wild. Sharks have keen olfactory senses located in the short duct, which is not fused unlike bony fish between the anterior and posterior nasal openings, with some species able to detect as little as one part per million of blood in seawater. Whoa. Sharks have the ability to determine the direction of a given scent based on the timing of scent detection in each, in each nostril. This is similar to the method mammals use to determine direction of sound. Yes. They are more attracted to the chemicals found in the intestines of many species and as a result often linger near or in sewage outfalls. Some species, such as nurse sharks, have external barbells that greatly increase, increase their ability to sense prey. Spooky. Hmm. Isn't it fucked up that people like make shark fin soup? I, I never understood that. It must be really good <laughs> or just, I don't know, a lot of people want to get it just to say that they've had it before. It doesn't make any sense. I hate it. Stop killing sharks. Some of them are endangered. Yeah. Leave them alone. <laughs> Leave them alone. Most sharks are carnivorous. Basking sharks, whale sharks, and megamouth sharks have independently evolved different strategies for filter feeding plankton. Basking sharks practice ram feeding. Whale sharks use suction to take in plankton and small fish. And megamouth sharks make suction feeding more efficient by using the luminescent tissue inside of their mouths to attract prey in the deep ocean. This type of feeding requires gill rakers, long slender filaments that form a very efficient sieve. The shark traps the plankton in these filaments and swallows from time to time in huge mouthfuls. Teeth in these species are comparatively small because they are not needed for feeding. Other highly specialized feeders include cookie cutter sharks, which feed on flesh sliced out of other larger fish and marine mammals. Cookie cutter teeth are enormous compared to the animal's size. The lower teeth are particularly sharp. Although they have never been observed feeding, they are believed to latch onto their prey and use their thick lips to make a seal, twisting their bodies to rip off flesh. Crazy. Yeah. Isn't it creepy? That's wild. Some seabed-dwelling species are highly effective ambush predators. Angel sharks and wobbagons use camouflage to lie in wait and suck prey into their mouths. Hmm. Other sharks feed on squid or fish, which they swallow whole. The viper dogfish has teeth it can point outwards to strike and capture prey that it then swallows intact. The great white and other large predators either swallow small prey whole or take huge bites out of large animals. Thresher sharks use their long tails to to stun shoaling fish. And saw sharks either stir prey from the seabed or slash swimming prey with their tooth-studded rostra. Oh, gosh. Many sharks, including the white tip reef shark, are cooperative feeders and hunt in packs to herd and capture elusive prey. These social sharks are often migratory, traveling huge distances around ocean basins in large schools. These migrations may partly may be partly necessary to find new food sources. We're going to get into something sad. Uh... 
It is estimated that 100 million sharks are killed by people every year due to commercial and recreational fishing. What the hell? Shark finning yields are estimated at 1.44 million metric tons for 2000 and 1.41 million tons for 2010. I didn't know that was that high. Based on an analysis of average shark weights, this translates into a total annual mortality estimate of about 100 million sharks in 2000 and about 97 million sharks in 2010. Jesus. With a total range of possible values between 63 and 273 million sharks per year. Sharks are a common seafood in many places, including Japan and Australia. In the Australian state of Victoria, shark is the most commonly used fish in fish and chips. In mm. which fillets are battered and deep fried and crumbled or grilled. In fish and chip shops, shark is called flake. In India, small sharks or baby sharks are sold in local markets. Since the flesh is not developed, cooking the flesh breaks it into powder, which is then fried in oil and spices. The soft bones can be easily chewed. They are considered a delicacy in coastal Tamil Nadu. Icelanders ferment Greenland sharks to produce a delicacy called hakari. During a four-year period from 1996 to 2000, an estimated 26 to 73 million sharks were killed and traded annually in commercial markets. Jeez. Yep. Sharks are often killed for shark fin soup. Fishermen mm-hmm. capture, sh- ugh, capture live sharks, fin them, and dump the finless animals back into the water. What the fuck? And without their fins, they cannot swim. And uh-huh. without that, they cannot get oxygen. So they slowly die. Shark finning involves removing the fin with a hot metal blade. The resulting immobile shark soon dies from suffocation or predators. Shark fin has become a major trade within black markets all over the world. Mm -hmm. Fins sell for about $300 a pound in 2009. Poachers illegally fin millions each year. Few governments enforce laws that protect them. In 2010, Hawaii became the first U.S. state to prohibit the possession, sale, trade, or distribution of shark fins. You go, Hawaii. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Shark fin soup is a status symbol in Asian countries and is erroneously considered healthy and full of nutrients. Scientific research has revealed, however, that high concentrations of BMAA are present in shark fins. And then BMAA is a neurotoxin. And it's potentially a and its potential role in various neurodegenerative disorders is the subject of scientific research. Interesting. So, yeah, just keep eating that shit that uh, poisons you because uh, it's good for you. Yep. Well, I mean, all the poachers and people who buy this shark fin soup and collect shark fins, you know, maybe we should just get rid of them all. Anyway. It's under study (laughs) for its pathological role in diseases such as ALS, Alzheimer's, and Parkinson's. Hmm. Sharks are also killed for meat. European diners consume dogfish, smooth hounds, cat sharks, makos, poor beagles, on also skates and rays. However, the U.S. FDA lists sharks as one of the four fish whose high mercury content is hazardous to children and pregnant women. What? That's along crazy. with swordfish, king mackerel, and tilefish. Huh. Learning a lot today. There's a lot that goes into them. There's a lot more that goes into them. And then there's an article I found that I wanted to read. Uh, it's called, Why Are We Afraid of Sharks? Why are we afraid there's of sharks? There's a scientific explanation, Zach. <gasps> Thank you for asking. What? I don't... Load. What are you doing? (laughs) Never mind. It won't load. Just cut that out. What? I can't get it to load. (sighs) No, I'll end it there. (laughs) 
Yeah, but that's sharks. That's uh, that is a little sad. I didn't know that, like the shark population was threatened that much. I know there were a lot of popular, more popular species of shark that were considered endangered. Um, so I knew it was a problem. I just didn't know to that degree. Um, and I didn't know that there were so many different types of sharks. That's wild. Um, that's super cool. But uh, yeah, no, the shark fin soup shit needs to stop. I don't understand it. I don't think it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I think everyone could do without it and just leave the damn sharks alone in the water where they belong. Cool. Sharks are cool. Um, yeah, too many people are scared of sharks, and um, they're beautiful. And uh, you you touched on a few things as to why. Um, I go into a little bit more uh, explanation as to why there's this phobia or fear of sharks. But first, I think we should take a picture. Any more in that can? Yep. There's more in your can? Yep. Can you pour it in my glass? Nope. Oh, my eyes keep watering from the yawning. Uh, so, like I said, I go into a little bit more about um, why sharks are feared. Um, and my story is going to talk about a, um, a certain individual who had a certain encounter with a certain shark. Get on with it. But first, um, we've got some stats. I love stats. According to the yearly worldwide shark attack summary, which is a thing, there is a total of 140 shark attacks in 2019. 64 of them were unprovoked, 41 of them were provoked, 12 were boat attacks, one was a scavenge attack, which I guess was post-mortem, one uh, occurred in a public aquarium, and 21 uh, of those where the attack or cause of attack could not be confirmed. The U.S. leads the world in number of unprovoked attacks. USA has 41, Australia has 11, the Bahama Islands with two, and a number of other islands and countries with only one. Out of those 64 unprovoked attacks, only two of them were fatal. And out of the unprovoked attacks in the U.S., Florida has the most surprise. Florida with 21, Hawaii with nine, California and North Carolina with three, and a number of other states with with only one. The majority of attacks occur while the victim is surfing or engaging in a waterboard sport. 53% occur during surfing and board sports, 25% swimming and wading, 11% snorkeling and free diving, 8% body surfing and horseplay, and 3% scuba diving. And the chance of a shark attack is still, despite all these statistics, still extremely low. It is about 1 in 3.75 million is the chances of an attack by a shark. Out of the 7.7 billion people that were in 2019, 0.000000018% were attacked by a shark. (laughs) To put it in perspective. Uh, you're more likely to die from a lightning strike, a tornado, a train crash, and a champagne cork than from a shark. So, not very likely. Doesn't happen often. Uh, we're going to talk about one case, though. One of the more notable shark attack victims is a South Australian filmmaker and conservationist, Rodney Fox. He is regarded as a miracle survivor of one of the world's worst non-fatal shark attacks. If you don't have pictures... I do. 
Thank God. Uh, Rodney Fox was born in Adelaide, South Australia, on November 9th, 1940. From a very, very early age, when his father would take him fishing, Rodney felt a real affinity towards the sea. The Fox family lived in a market garden area, and their neighbors owned a large concrete water tank where Rodney and the neighbor's son taught themselves how to swim. Throughout his teens, he spent countless, countless hours spearfishing and bringing home fresh catches of fish and lobsters. This was much appreciated by his mom, dad, and four brothers and sisters. I like this beer. It tastes like the sea. I don't like it at all. <laughs> he became the South Australian spearfishing champion in 1962 and married the love of his life, Kay, in 1963. Beautiful. Four months after his marriage, while defending his state championship title, this sounds like a movie. It does. He was attacked by a great white shark Ooh. of Aldinga Beach, 50 kilometers south of Adelaide. The following are quotes from Rodney Fox during an interview about the incident. December 8th, 1963 is a date that I'll never forget. I was the South Australian spearfishing champion, and I was trying to regain my title. Halfway through the competition, I'd swum offshore trying to find a big, strong fish, and I dived down. I saw one. I was in within split seconds of shooting it when all of a sudden this huge crunch, and it hit me in the chest, knocked my gun out of my hand, the mask off my face, and I was hurled through the water faster than I've ever swam before. It was just a nightmare. In the attack, Fox's abdomen was fully exposed and all his ribs were broken on his left-hand side. His diaphragm was punctured, his lung was ripped open, his scapula was pierced, his spleen was uncovered, his artery was exposed, and he was minutes away from his veins collapsing due to loss of large amounts of blood. The tendons, fingers, and thumb in his right hand were all cut, and to this day, he has part of a shark's tooth embedded in his wrist. His wounds required 462 stitches after the attack. Pictures. I have some. I'll show you I'm some later. I'm very excited. I love the gore. Um, no gore. Just, um, oh. just the scars. Uh, he is quoted as saying, In the hospital, they cut my wetsuit off me, and they found that there were these huge gashes and teeth marks, and every rib in my chest had been broken. Hole through the shoulder blade, the lung had been punctured. Another miracle is the main artery from the heart to the stomach was left exposed, together with the spleen. One nick, and I would have died. Nothing was missing. So when they stitched me up, and I, I repaired, and I've really nothing wrong with me today, except the scars. Death, devil, hell. That's the level that I put this word shark into the early days. It was out there. It was the worst thing in the world. But we knew so little about it. After I'd killed four or five great whites on hooks and lines, and we'd studied them for quite a few film crews, and had actually built cages, and we'd filmed them swimming around and felt safe, a new world came about, because we were now watching these beautiful animals glide and swim through the water, and we saw them in a different way than anybody had seen them before. They didn't come up to us and try and kill us or attack us every time they saw us. Later on in life, Fox went on to design and build the first underwater observation cage to dive with the great white shark, and for over 40 years had led major expeditions to film and study his attacker. He arranged and hosted the very first Great White Shark expedition to welcome sport divers and had run uh, has run hundreds of expeditions in the 30 years since. Fox is regarded as a world authority on the Great White Shark and has a great reputation as an expedition leader and producer of shark documentaries. 
He has been involved in some way with most great white shark films made in the 20th century, including Jaws. <laughs> Fox, along with his son Andrew, after more than 40 years, still continue to run Rodney Fox Great White Shark Expeditions, a shark cage diving operation to view great white sharks in the wild off southern Australia. This operation also acts as a platform for much-needed further research of great white sharks, as well as encouraging quality natural history documentaries on these species. Fox and Andrew, along with shark researcher Dr. Rachel Robbins, founded the Fox Shark Research Foundation, the FSRF, which is devoted to the study and conservation of the great white shark. The great white shark is listed by the IUCN as a vulnerable species. The Fox Shark Research Foundation is endeavoring to expand our understanding of great white sharks using the latest technologies and methods of research research and working in collaboration with other scientific institutions. Fox currently strives to further raise public awareness of the plight of all shark species through his dive operation and research foundation via publications, public speaking, and the films his operations facilitate. Again, another quote. They were just looking for food, and the food they eat and pursue is the sick, the weak, the slow, the ones with viruses, all the ones that are very plentiful, and so the sharks keep pressure, something that humans can't do on all of the populations, and without them, there'd be a big mess in the oceans. The protection of the great white shark is a great step forward. We really don't know much about the other sharks. They could be in trouble, but the great white shark is the most feared predator in the world today, and so it gets a lot of publicity. And having them protected and giving a chance to learn more about them is a wonderful thing. Fun fact, the Jersey Shore shark attacks of 1916 killed four people in the first two weeks of July 1916 along the New Jersey Shore and Matawan Creek in New Jersey. They are generally credited as the beginning of media attention on shark attacks in the United States of America. In 2010... Nine Australian survivors of shark attacks banded together to promote a more positive view of sharks. These survivors made a particular note of the role role of the media in distorting the fear of sharks. Films such as Jaws were the cause of large-scale hunting and killing of thousands of sharks. Jaws had a significant impact on people and gave them an unrealistic view of sharks, causing them to fear them more than they probably should. The media has continued to exploit this fear over the years by sensationalizing attacks and portraying sharks as vicious man-eaters. There are some television shows, such as Shark Week, that are dedicated to the preservation of these animals. They are able to prove through scientific studies that sharks are not interested in attacking humans and generally simply mistake humans as prey. One last quote. The thing that attacked me many years ago was an incredible spirit or a problem or a death or a fear or something. But now I look back and I realize that the sharks really aren't man-eaters. They are part of our life, part of our ocean, and they deserve more respect than being just thought of as the best sharks a dead shark. Mm-hmm. That's my section. Nice to see you were on your phone the whole time. I was looking up shark attack pictures. Oh, yeah. I do have... um... I looked them up already. No, you didn't. I did. This is... uh, Looked it up already. Mr. Fox. Saw it. See on his hand? Saw it. It's crazy. And then this is him now. Saw it. See how happy he is? Saw it. With a cursor in the middle of his nose? Saw it. Did you see that? Saw it already. I actually saw a picture of him as an old dude with his scar out. Oh, yeah. I didn't want to include that. 
Um, oh, I forgot to show you. This is uh, apparently what Budweiser cans looked like huh. back when uh, Budweiser first became a thing. These copper Weird. cans. Yeah, kind of wild. And like you crack them up with an with a, like a traditional can opener mm-hmm. to make like a and then an, a hole for like the the flow. You know, huh. the two holes in the top. Huh. Yeah, interesting. Sharks are beautiful creatures that are a part of our ecosystem, and we need to protect them. Sharks are beautiful. I think they're they're awesome. They're cool. This episode has uh, given me um, a newfound appreciation for sharks that I didn't have before. Um, it's not like that I resented sharks or disliked sharks, because um, I know some people who really dislike sharks. I know one person who they said that sharks are their phobia. Um and it's understandable why, because the media, everything's the media's fault page. Um, but sharks are great. Sharks are cool. Um, sharks are important for the water's ecosystem and the survival and um, stasis of everything. What did you think of the beer? I think I should be asking you, what did you think of the beer? <laughs> I hated it. It was gross. It tasted like I was drinking ocean water with a little bit of lime in with it. With a little bit of lime in it. That was just... Blech. That's upsetting. Ugh. Um, again, I, I already said I'm a, I'm a fan of Dogfish Head. I've, I've known of their brewery before, but I haven't had many of their beers before. Um, and I don't typically see them as an available beer in, I guess, most restaurants we've been to. Every time I've been to Crafted, I don't know that I've seen Dogfish Head on mm-hmm. their menu. Um, but I I applaud them for creating a very experimental and off-centered, to use their word, uh, brews. I think it's um, very um, admirable. I enjoyed this beer. I think it's a different... Um, uh, it's a step away from their traditional craft brew IPA, you know? Um and again, this isn't craft beer and fear. This isn't every beer is going to taste good that we drink on the show beer and fear. Um, this is just beer and fear. And uh, this is another beer for a 10th episode that tied quite well into our topic. Um, but I'm upset that beer or that uh, Paige didn't uh, care for it. but Because I'm still drinking it. It was gross. I didn't like it. I liked the topic. Anything you want to add, Zachary? You're just out of it. I'm very tired. <laughs> well, remember, this is our 10th episode. We've made it 10 episodes, Paige. I know. <laughs> it's wearing on me. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown weaker. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, um, we realized after we f- uh, closed out the episode, uh, we didn't mention this. Um, I compiled a beer list uh, on an Excel spreadsheet. That is public. So anyone listening can view this. All of our beers that we uh, talk about and uh, drink each episode will be available for you to view. Um, What it'll include is the episode number, the name of the beer, the brewery, the style of beer, and based on Beer Advocate Reviews, the score it was given, the class it was given, and then the ranking of that beer as well. So if you look... Uh, we actually have tried uh, one of the top 50 beers on Beer Advocate, and it happens to be Zombie Dust. <laughs> the one that you uh, didn't really care for all that much is rated number 36 out of all beers on Beer Advocate. 
It is at number thirty number thirty six. It got a score of one hundred. World class. Uh, zombie dust. Sorry, zombie so, dust. So uh, maybe it'd be worth revisiting at some point. Um, but you can see all these other beers and the scores that they got. Obviously, Famosa got a, a very low score. A very low score of fifty nine. Um, Purple Haze got a score of seventy six. Just okay. Uh, most of the other beers they got a score very good and outstanding. So, and then they show the ranking based on the total beers that were reviewed. Uh, what we're gonna do. What we're going to try to do every uh, every episode, um, what I'd like us to do every episode, is uh, near the end of our show where we talk about the beer. You say, Zach, how was the beer? As you always do. Um, we're going to rank these uh, within every 10 episodes. Um, so our first beer, say, it's a five. Next beer, we'll say, is that better or worse than our last one? And then we'll have a ranking of our top 10. Mm-hmm. This list will be available uh, for you to view. Uh, again, it's another bit.ly link. So bit.ly slash BAF list. Bit.ly dot, I'm sorry, bit.ly slash BAF list. You can view this list online, view all of our beers and our rankings for them. So we're going to have to go back, rank these 10 beers where we think these, you know, which was our favorite, which was our words, our least favorite, et cetera, et cetera. We'll rank them and then you can see that online if you're so inclined. We appreciate yeah. you. We appreciate you sticking around. Um, we hope you enjoyed this episode, Ugh. our tenth episode about sharks. Uh, you should check out this beer. Don't do it. Try it. Uh, they do sell individual cans. I saw on Benny's website. So maybe buy an individual can just yeah, in case. Yeah, buy it, sip it, and then be upset that you wasted your money on Stop. one can. Stop. Stop. I'm sure a lot of people like this brew. Um, I think you're just the odd one out. Wow fucking rude check it out try it it's really good um find us on all of our wonderful podcasting platforms mm-hmm. you want to name some of them yes yeah, spoofy <laughs> spoofy is one of them i know that apple music apple music <laughs> we are on uh, amazon music now oh cool if anyone uses amazon music we're there i don't uh, know we got like a but, prime membership or something but spoofy uh, you don't need a prime membership but spoofy is uh, probably our most popular platform. It's available for both iPhone and Android users. Um, and most of our episodes, well, when we release episodes, they're available on uh, Spoofy first. If you have a podcasting platform that you want us to get onto, please send us an email at beerandfearcast at gmail.com. And we'll get right on that. Right on it. Right on it. Uh, we mentioned in pretty much every episode since the um, beginning of the show uh, we've been hoping to do a segment called Flight and F- Flights and Frights, where we take your personal ghost or scary stories and include them in our show. Exactly. Uh, it'll be released as a special episode where we tell your stories, shout you out, and then drink your beer recommendation that you also provide with your story as a flight. We'll have four different beers. We'll try each one and talk about it and talk about your story, tell your story and shout you out. If you have any stories that you wish to share, our email is beerandfearcast at gmail.com. B-E-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-A-R-C-A-S-T. I would have laughed my ass off if you misspelled that. At G-M-A-I-L dot C-O-M. Send us an email if you just want to say hi. Congratulate us for a 10th episode. <laughs> um, but we appreciate you listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, this episode, even though we're both very tired, um, I might take a nap later. 
But we hope you, uh, you hope we, 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 uh, we hope you have a good day. Um, Obajue. Hope you have a good day. Yeah. And we hope you vote. Please vote. <laughs> I hope you vote at least. Um, thanks for sticking around. We'll catch you next week. Have a good day. Every time. It's the only consistent thing on this damn show. Without fail. Thank you.